This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and I am sitting here once again in my wife's spa. She likes to call it her home office, but there's like candles in here. You know, there's like a steam room over there. Um, so yeah, it's a very nice environment to be able to rest in. We are in the middle of a home remodel. And so um, we've had to improvise in lots of ways. Normally where I do the podcast is downstairs, but currently my downstairs is where the rest of the, my office is where the rest of the house is. So um, Becky, of course, is in her closet which is where she does the podcast from. And uh, I'm only half joking there. But Becky, if you want to say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. So Becky is the director of coaching here at Eat and Perform. So pretty much everyone, this is kind of interesting. So my daughter is actually interning. Um, and it was funny because we were at a, we were at a family reunion. And... I was talking to my daughter and I said, so have you talked to Becky about, you know, the training and things of this nature? My daughter looked at me weird and uh, she's like, yeah, I've been working for about a week now, you know? And so if you wanted to know how I manage and kind of empower people to do their thing, there's nothing, nothing better than that um, to describe it. So Becky is, my right-hand woman, um, and pretty much anything I would, I would, I would say you're probably surpassed me at this point. But uh, you know, anything that I would have known or thought, certainly Becky has heard all of it, and um, she is really, really good at her job. I would actually, I would put you at the highest of the industry, right? Because. The problem with the majority of the industry, I know many of you are, are new to Eat Perform and kind of the concepts of Eat Perform, but most of the industry really focuses on eating less, which at best is only half of the situation, right? We would argue that it actually should only be maybe 10%, you know, at most 20%, um, sort of depending on your situation. And so the topic today, I'm going to get into here in a second, but we're going to talk about going into September and potentially kind of setting up these time frames, why you might want to extend things a little bit, and, and I'll walk you through some of that. Um, we have a few things going on right now. Um, many of you are not actually clients of Eat Perform yet, and uh, these are actually the the ones that I like the most because it always reconnects us to kind of the basics. You know, often Becky and I will get lost in, you know, the weeds with really difficult problems. You know, to be really honest with you, when you're new to eat to perform, your problems tend to be kind of the easiest ones to fix, right? And uh, it's kind of fun being on part of uh, of that equation because you are able to see people make amazing progress really fast, right? So that's always fun. And so um, we do have uh, like a flash sale that I mentioned that starts today. Um, it's setting up our fall pricing. There's a lot of things going on. I'm, I'm going to miss a few of them, but half of your um, memberships, if you do end up signing up, they go to our strong daughters program, you know, many, you know, women and men, but many women have talked a lot about the fact that, you know, they've been abused by dieting most of their life and, and, and confused. And we instituted that so that we could teach young women how to not diet most of the time so that they can approach things from a a better standpoint. We also have some interesting things happening in the college sports world. And so we'll be talking a little bit more about that, but we have uh, five young ladies that are college athletes that are coming on as e-performers. And so that's really exciting. Um, the prices right now are the lowest they will ever be. Um, just being honest with you, uh, because with, um, 
with Eatinform Kitchen, we are going to be moving to completely free coaching. What that means is, is that if you buy food um, and you're a member or buying food for four consecutive weeks, your coaching is free. And so while it's, it's like, well, if I was paying, that would be more than free. But of course, you also have to have food connected. You do not have to have the food. Many people that are comfortable, you know, have been dieting at one time or another. Um, they are comfortable making their own food. They are comfortable counting calories. It's just our approach is different. Totally fine. No big deal at all. Um, but for a lot of people that are just sort of new to the concept, it really does allow them to, you know, jump in two feet forward or two feet right from jump. And we already have uh, Reddit a thousand people signed up. So really super excited about um, Eat Inform Kitchen. I don't know if you've seen the meals, but they're, they're, they're not only look beautiful, but they're delicious. Um, there is one thing that I do want to say about that is that they are low in sodium, right? And one of the things as a nutrition program, you'll see other meal delivery services that have two things that kind of make them difficult to work with. One is fat tends to be a little high and sodium it gets really high. And um, you can always salt it if that's something that, you know, it works for you. Um, but typically having too much sodium in a meal, and I'm not just talking about salt, but sodium also is in a lot of spices, right? You know, most of your hot sauces and things like that, the sodium can get really high really fast. So you can add sodium to it. I would highly suggest to people especially people trying to lose weight to not do that because it is going to allow you to sort of your body to sort of process kind of um, the excess fluid. You know, we all kind of know that as the water weight in the beginning of a, of a fat loss cycle. And then of course, once you're done with the water weight, now we're starting to get into kind of processing some of that fat. So uh, a lot of really cool stuff right, happening right now. Um, and you know, I'm just really, really excited. I've been eating the meals for a month and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's been kind of wild just how convenient it is. I mean, just, you know, all of the different things that can kind of complicate your life, it really does fix. And so that's really exciting. All right, let's get into how Eat to Perform is different how you can use that, even if you don't sign up for Eat to Perform. Um, there's many people that follow the page. Uh, you know, I just need everyone to understand this, that, you know, when I started Eat to Perform, I didn't really have like a business model in mind. It wasn't like I thought, well, I'm going to start a meal delivery service and I'm going to have an app and we're going to have 100 coaches and things of this nature. What I really wanted to do is just get everybody the best information possible because frankly there's way too many people trying to sell you on a lot of bad ideas and i just thought if i could just explain to people reasonable ways to think of this they would be in a much better position because the one thing that you know you don't hear from your favorite instagram model and and, and things of this nature um is that regular people in general don't have the incentives in place that your average fitness model or bodybuilder has, right? Because if you're the best bodybuilder in the world, you know, right now, because of Instagram, TikTok, you know, Facebook, that's worth millions of dollars. Most of you don't have those incentives, right? So if you go, well, I'm hungry, I would like to eat. Are you going to be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I really need to get my abs right now. Otherwise, you know, my IG is not going to be popping. No, because you don't have those million dollar incentives the way that other people do. And so most of the people on this call almost certainly would be probably a lot like Becky and I, 
where you're going to eat at restaurants. You're going to have a grocery list that probably doesn't look like the person that's eight packed up with Bainey abs, things of that nature. So this is really more about health. And then the other part that is the most important part of eat to perform is the part that no other diet really teaches, right? It's the period where calories go back to normal. Now, this is not something that's new, right? Bodybuilders have known this forever, that you can't just diet down and then stay there. Unfortunately, the regular people have not gotten this memo. And so what happens is you have programs that put you on a 1,200-calorie diet or 1,500-calorie diet for men. And basically, once you're there, you just are pressed to the point of failure. Then you quit. You feel like a failure when in reality, the diet failed you because they didn't tell you how your body actually works. The reality of the situation, the science is abundantly clear on this one, is that the more you diet, the worse you get at dieting. And so what that means is if you can teach people how to eat when their food comes back to normal, now we're doing a lot of the work, right? But, you know, many of you on this call, you're coming out of the summer, maybe you overdid it a little bit, you know, it, Dairy Queen occasionally turned into Dairy Queen every night, you know, and now you're sitting here thinking to yourself, Becky even smiled. Are you are you accusing me or what are you what are you thinking there? Um, uh, I may I may I may have overindulged on a little Dairy Queen this year, but but you know I am I am also um, the uh, about to go into fat loss too. I've been able to stay relatively stable um, through my reset, and and we're going to run through what that looks like, and so. Should you diet, right? Um, that's that's the question. So most of you out there probably have started some type of diet when you look in the mirror or you had a weekend where things get a little wild and you see an eat to perform post and you're like, you know what? I've been meaning to join this forever. I'm just going to join, right? Well, should you have? Are you ready? Right now, I would argue that you should have, even if you're not ready, because we can actually start you to the period where your food normalizes. And what, what that means is when your food is normalizing, you're actually setting up a better fat loss cycle as you go. Right. And so um, you don't necessarily have to come in to eat reform. This is the difference between us and everyone else is you can actually come in and work your calories higher for a bit and then say, okay, what I'm going to do is in October, I'm going to go into a fat loss cycle. But in September, I'm just going to beast mode things because my kids just got into school. Um, I need to get into a regular routine at the gym. And those types of things end up serving you really well once you do, Okay. So I'm going to give you two scenarios. I'm going to give you the scenario where you start off in September, right? Because a lot of people are just, it's time. You just had September 6th on the, on the clock, right? And I just want to stop here for just a second and say, we don't have any questions yet. It's really helpful if we get questions because what we don't want to do is have a bunch of questions come up at the last we do try to keep these to about an hour to be respectful of your time, but also I have some pickleball matches, my, uh, my normal. So use the chat window for that, not don't unmute yourselves. Um, but uh, the chat window at the bottom is what that is for. So I know a lot of you out there had September 6th, right, circled on your calendar. And um, what people don't know is that the... What, September is one of our biggest months, um, and September is one, January is two, and July is three, weirdly, right? Because um, those tend to be three times where people are, so, so I'll tell you how that works, right? So September is, oh my goodness, summer got away from me, right? And so so people are motivated to move. Um, 
January, we know what that is, New Year's resolutions, things of this nature. July is kind of like a mini September. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm six weeks into summer and things are out of hand. You know, if I don't do something now, by the time I get December, uh, by the time I get to September, things are going to be really bad. So that's why people tend to be pretty motivated to move in July. Um, okay. So if you've been overdoing it and you move to, to fat loss, you're probably going to see a lot of progress. There are some people, I would say this is one of those times of the year, I think Becky would probably agree with this, where we do not see chronic dieters as much. We do see it on occasion, right? But once again, the three times, July, September, December, those tend to be our over-consumers. The people that show up in April and May that are trying to kind of get in bikini shape, they tend to be our under-consumers, right? And so um, we have a strategic plan for both of those, but under-consumers often need to get out of kind of the diet habits that they have, start establishing some healthy habits as, as food moves back. And that's actually the hardest part, right? I mean, we all kind of know if we eat less, we lose weight, especially if you've been kind of overdoing it on the beer and the summer occasions and things of this nature. Usually weight loss tends to be relatively easy. And so people are like, oh my goodness, you know, keto is a miracle or intermittent fasting is great. It's like, mm, you're giving a little bit more credit to the diet, even in the case of each reform, than you are to the beer, the cheesecake and the, and the social settings, right? Those are the things that actually are doing the hard work if you really think about it, right? And so Part of what we do is we start to reestablish those habits for you. And, and you might start off under eating, you know, that's totally fine. Um, and in a diet cycle, those diet cycles will last six weeks. So why six weeks? Well, what we know is, is that within two to three weeks, your body adjusts pretty harshly to any deficit. Now, if you're 300 pounds, then the rules are a little different for you, right? But if you're a 160 pound woman and you're trying to get to 140, your body's gonna adjust really quickly to eating less. So it starts to get hard around week three. We used to do four weeks, but the problem with four weeks is that we could get about eight pounds of weight loss. And then um, usually what would happen at that point is as we start to move to the reset, which I'm about to talk about here in a second, we can get them to maybe 10, but their, their window was kind of shortened. And so even though your body adjusts within two to three weeks, we can extend out and instead of eight pounds, get you to about 12, right? And once you're at about that 10 to 12. Now, once again, you know, everybody's a little different. If you're a 180 pound female, you know, um, and you know, that's a very different experience than a 135 pound female that might be five one, right? So we have, as I'm starting to talk and give you these examples, we have to sort of um, think about how long have you been dieting? Were you really over consuming or did you just kind of overdue weekends and then did salads for the next five days, right? Because often that calorie average will be a little bit higher, but it will not stimulate your metabolism to the point where you're going to see drastic weight loss like the Dairy Queen person or like the beer person or the person that was literally going to parties all summer um, and concerts. So kind of keep that in mind. There is an interesting part about that whole discussion, right? Because one of the things that, well, look, we all kind of want to wish all of our weight loss problems away. And then once they're gone, they stay away forever. Um, that's not actually how it works. For the rest of your life, 
you're going to be manager managing your weight in some way, shape, or form. What we teach you is how to eat more most of the time, right? Use your dieting cycles. Normally, you know, you probably have heard this over the years that one pound a week is about what you should expect. We actually shoot for about two. And the reason why we shoot for two is because we do these shorter, um, more aggressive cycles. I will tell you, um, you know, I'm currently, like I mentioned, we did, I did fat loss with a friend kind of in solidarity with that person. And it's interesting because in fat loss too, I actually have five or six people that are going to be doing it with me. Um, but uh, when I was talking to that person the other day, um, she asked me how long the cycle was. And I said it was five and a half weeks. And she, she, she was like, I could have swore it was like four months. And she was not joking. I mean, time really does slow. I mean, if you really want to extend your life in a very practical way, um, dieting will certainly do that because, you know, the days just, um, they just creep along. But we have found that we can be more aggressive, gradually moving your calories down as your body's adjusting, milking for every ounce we can probably get there, and then resetting back to normal. Well, what's normal? Well, to a new person, these numbers sort of freak you out, right? But what you are not realizing is that much of the problem is that you're clutching, you know, the pearls a little too tight when you are not, you know, when you are in um, the non-dieting phase, right? So a lot of people will move from 1,200 and then they move to 1,500 so they can have a few more snaps. But eventually your body adjusts to that number and then you can actually gain weight when you have kind of a weekend or two away where now all of a sudden your body's used to this 1500 number and you bring 1800 to the equation or you bring 2200 to the equation. Even periodically, your body's just not adjusted to that. What we teach people is to get their metabolism to that point where 2000 is good, 2200, maybe even 2500 if you're really active. Because if that's your set point now on those moments where you're um, where you are having a moment where the you know there's a social setting a uh, 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 beer um, concerts thing your body just handles it better right and there is of course weight fluctuation as you go that's the other sort of thing that's sort of hard to work people through is dieting can kind of bring you to this really dark place, right? And so you get down to, let's say, 140 pounds and you're feeling great, right? Because you suffered all that time and you went to the gym every single day. And now you kind of let off the reins a little bit because that was kind of a bit too much. And your food is starting to come back and you're staying weight stable the good majority of the time. But three months in, now all of a sudden your weight's up two pounds and now kind of the misery that you sort of cuddled up with at the low point, now we're kind of expecting that we're going to go from 140 to 142 to 160 again. And that's really not how it works, right? I will say there are people that do want to go to 160, but they want to be a more lean 160. Sometimes running a cycle, running a diet cycle will help that. And then you're gaining some insulin sensitivity. You can put on muscle a little bit better. So now someone who was 160 went down to 140. They're 160 again, but now they're 160 with abs right? Because they've built all this muscle along the way. So everyone's a little different. And that's why coaching is important. And that's why an individual approach is very important. Can you figure it out on, on your own? I did, kind of, 
right? Um, I did at, at a certain point, you know, I mean, the you know, every time we put out an article about calories, someone will say, well, I did keto and lost 60 pounds. Look, I was 260 pounds. I went from 260 pounds to 200 pounds. And you know what? That's the easiest way I ever lost in my life. That next 50, that was hard, right? And so I think we, you know, like I said, we don't give enough credit to the beer and the cheesecake and we give too much credit to whatever we did to just start eating less, right? So, so when you're doing keto, when you're doing intermittent fasting or all the extreme things that people do that ultimately they quit because they, you know, they sort of get frustrated with it um, because they're all alone, right? And when you're all alone, you can sometimes get it. But I got to that point where I needed help right and and i had the financial means to to hire very expensive coaching and then as i went through that very expensive coaching i was like why isn't this available in a wide stream way or a mainstream way and that's that's ultimately how each form happened but um if you want to start in september if you've been overdoing it great right but if you had three things and your weight's up five pounds, um, and you're trying to get leaner than you are right now, one of the big things that happens with these performers is that, uh, you know, a lot of people are very active. You know, you're seeing like pictures on the screen of people that are really fit, um, but then they kind of want to go to the next level, and they know that just eating less and working out is not the path to that, right? Um, or, or, Maybe they're very lean, but they kind of did it in a very rigid way. And so they would like to be able to get a little better information so that they can have more joy in their life, right? All those things are possible. You just have to make sure that one, when you're in a non-dieting period, you're not going crazy, right? Because when you're eating 1200 calories, and then you have the weekends with 4000 calories, your body's just not set up to handle that kind of calorie load, right? So some of it will store as fat, some of it, honestly, you're going to release in the bathroom. And the majority of it, you know, within four to five days, you would be able to process But you have to start to wonder, why am I constantly doing that? Why am I binging or whatever um some people do have an eating disorder called binge eating disorder um i will say the treatment for binge eating disorder is more regular meals at a higher calorie point right very similar to to eat perform i'm not you know if you have binge eating disorder definitely go see a doctor about that but if you think you're just a regular person and you've been under eating a lot and food brings you joy um what i would suggest to you is that you might want to try eating more regular calories most of the time okay here's the argument for october so the argument for october is one it's very busy time if you're a parent you know you got to meet all the teachers you got to go see the new principal you got to go Sign up for the football athletics. You got to get them into all of their activities for the year. It's a very busy time. So you feel pressure, right? What we teach people and what I think is really most important is this proactive way of managing your weight where you say, okay, in September, I'm going to join you to perform. We're going to work on staying weight stable in that process. We're going to be a little bit more prepared things of this nature. By the way, Form Kitchen is perfect for that, right? Um, we also have family meals coming, which is I'm really super excited about because I know what it's like to be a parent and have to get, to get your kid to soccer, but you still want to put healthy meals on the table, right? And so it's great for those kinds of moments. But if you were proactive and said, you know what, September's going to be a little bit busy. I'm not sure I was the Dairy Queen example Paul's talking about. I wasn't overdoing beer, things of that nature. 
we can kind of put you on that baseline, keep you in performance to October, and then we can test your idea, your hypothesis, right? Your hypothesis is that you maybe overdid it, but maybe not that much. We'll find out where you're at immediately because usually we can raise people's calories without weight loss. And when we can do that, we'll so, sort of know what happened. If you find that your weight is fluctuating, maybe you're gaining a, a pound or two, what basically is happening in that scenario is that you were kind of under eating for the way that your body would prefer to work. And that's fine. That's totally cool. Um, we can use fat loss cycles to kind of clean some of that up, right? But they are six weeks. And the argument for um, October is that for most people, in the case of October, for some reason, the um, every time someone is getting admitted into the Zoom, my uh, computer freezes, and I don't know if you're seeing me freeze as a result of it. But um, yeah, if you're seeing that, Becky, let me know. Um, so I, I do see a question. I'm going to get to that question. But I want to talk about the reset because it's the big thing that differentiates you perform from every other diet program out there. Um, after the six weeks, right? You've lost your 12 pounds, your two pounds a week. You're already six pounds ahead of all the other programs that always tell you one pound a week, that's all you should expect. So usually we can get, get around two pounds, which is amazing. But when you start to factor in um, the reset period where your weight is stable, usually it's going to extend out because that ends up being, you know, four to six pounds, but, or uh, four to six weeks. But the key difference there, and this is really important, is that it still ends up being the same one pound a week, but half of the time you weren't dieting. That's pretty important, right? Because on the one hand, you're going to be struggling. And on the one and, and in our scenario, you're not. In fact, what you're going to be doing is setting up a another very aggressive cycle for another eight to twelve pounds. Now, why eight? Why not another twelve? Well, you can use the reset any way you want. The majority of people want to keep the reset kind of short. And the reason why they want to keep the reset kind of short is because they've established these really good habits in fat loss one. And so they want to get back into the routine. It's a little bit of the cuddling up to the part that actually doesn't work. I totally get why people want to do it. But usually, if as an example, you did fat loss one in September, and then we went October, November, December as your reset. And instead of six weeks, we did 12 weeks. What you would see is in fat loss two, you would be closer to the 12 pounds in the eight weeks, right? What a lot of people want to do is they want to do September. Then they want to have their reset. And then they want to go kind of up to Thanksgiving or maybe try to wiggle around Thanksgiving. And then what ends up happening is all hell breaks loose in Christmas. They just ruined their whole fat loss cycle. So I would highly encourage people, whether it's September or October, this is the argument for October. October, it gives us eight to 10 weeks to do that reset so you can get 12 pounds of loss rather than eight. And that's the argument for that. But so you have one aggressive six-week cycle. You have a reset that's either four to six weeks or six to 10 weeks. Six to 10 weeks, you're going to lose a little bit more, but you also might fluctuate a little bit more. So you might end up, um, well, you do tend to end up leaner. One of the things that's interesting about kind of extending the cycle a little bit is that you do tend to get a lot of recomp also. So you can actually build some muscle in these cycles. And so 
let me give you an example and then we'll move on to questions. Um, you lose 12 pounds, weight fluctuates another four pounds. This is actually what has happened to my friend. So she lost 12 pounds. Now um, she has fluctuated three pounds up, but she's eating 3,000 calories, right? So she's being very aggressive in the reset because she knows the eating form guy and she knows that's going to be the best way for her to lose the most weight in fat loss too, right? So she is able to trust me in a way that many of you don't, right? Like many of you just started following the page three months ago. It's all very interesting information. You figure you get on this call. Wow, this is really interesting. I never thought of it like this. Um, but now all of a sudden you're alone in your private moments and your weight's going up and you're thinking, I'm going to gain all this weight back, you know, or maybe you have kind of one of these blowout weekends where you gain five pounds and then, you know, if you don't have coaching in those moments, it's really hard to kind of talk yourself off of the ledge in those instances. And so, um, but in the, the process of that weight fluctuation, wow, she is a lot leaner. I mean, she just has muscle. We play pickleball together and her legs are just ridiculous right now. They just are so, so muscular. Um, and so she's seen a lot of recomp. She hasn't done any body fat testing, but I'm absolutely certain that she would have put on three to four pounds of muscle. And so when you put on three to four pounds of muscle, even though your weight has fluctuated three to four pounds, it's really still that net loss of 12 if you kind of do the math right, you know? So something to think about. Um, what we want to teach you is a, is a way that will change your life forever. We're not trying to be one of these two ups car wash type places that, you know, aren't teaching you the truth, but the truth sucks, right? And the truth is that this does end up being hard over time. This does end up being kind of this new way of thinking. Um, but the reality is, is if you come from some bad habits, you move to really rigid way of thinking, we're going to try and unpack that so that you can have a better approach Eat to perform, I don't view as a weight loss system per se. I view it as, as an anti-aging system. I'm trying to get you to 100, right? And the last thing you want to do is be 100, eating 1,200 calories, and you spent the last 80 years miserable, right? And I just need you to know that there's a, new, there's a better way. It's not a new way, by the way, right? It's just the way that it should have been all along, but we sort of got carried away. And frankly, in the last 10 years, we've really gotten carried away. The internet has not been a friend to dieters. Most of you have probably done some really extreme stuff in the last 10 to 12 years that honestly you would not have been exposed to if it wasn't for the internet. That said, you're exposed to me also, right? And, you know, you know whether we like it or not, Becky and I talk about this all the time, is we don't tend to be people's first diet. I wish we were, right? That's a little bit of what Strong Daughters is doing. But we tend to be people's frustration diet, right? That, oh my goodness, this guy is saying everything that I've done and explaining to me all the pitfalls that I've been facing over the last couple of years. And that's how we end up with clients, right? And that's totally fine. But I think, Eat to perform is one of these ideas that if you were exposed to it, you go, oh man, if I knew that when I was 20, you know, I would have built a much better foundation. But I also think many of you are going to set the example for a lot of these younger people. Like you can't go through eat to perform and not your daughter's relationship with food. It just fundamentally changed because of it, right? Because you're now embodying many of the different um, ideas related to food being an ally and not the enemy. And your kids see that, right? And, and you go, well, you know, that'll really benefit my daughter. It also benefits your sons because, you know, um, I grew up in a household where my grandmother was, was dieting all the time and she was clearly not helped by it, 
right? She was very much harmed by it. And um, so so sons are affected also, right? And we, we want to make sure that, you know, I got lucky, you know, that, that I fell in love with a Swedish farm girl who did not have this dieting background, possibly not by accident, right? And, um, you know, we just have built kind of this life together that ultimately landed us with the form. So let's get into the questions and then kind of go from there. But if anybody has any thoughts, um, make sure that you're unmuted as we go. But yeah, Becky, walk me through some of the questions. Okay, Gina says, do you work with individuals that have issues with gastritis that prevents them from eating processed foods? Anything in a box, including protein, pancake mixes, et cetera, with limited choices? Yeah, there's no real reason why you can't eat whatever you want, right? Whether it's calories going down or calories going up, right? Um, some of those things do make things easier for people. I will say this, that gastritis is often the quality of the protein. Like for instance, the quality of protein and protein pancakes, probably not gonna surprise you, but it's not high quality. The best quality protein, by the way, um, is baby formula, right? And so, um, there's a process that it, it goes through filtration wise that basically almost no babies are um, allergic to formula. Some are, right? And, and, and I'm certain you can find them, but the majority of babies do baby formula fine. And the reason why they do, it's basically a version of whey concentrate that is filtered massively. It also smells awful, right? Like in its in its most pure form, um, and I wish uh, it's hydrolyzed, hydrolyzed whey protein, right? It's a hydrolyzed whey isolate actually. So isolate is a form of filtration, and hydrolyzed is the ultimate form of um, filtration. And all baby formula is both isolate and hydrolyzed. So gastritis from protein. Once again, I have no horse in the protein debate, right? I don't sell protein, um, but I can tell you as someone who does have some dairy issues on occasion, uh, there's another point to dairy issues. Uh, the, um, when you are not exposed to something, sometimes your body, when you reintroduce it, actually is helpful, right? Um, so I went for many years um, having kind of dairy allergy symptoms after about five to six years of kind of not doing it at all. Like it's perfectly fine to eat meat. Um, maybe not as effective as say like whey protein, which is kind of hard for people to believe, but anything you drink tends to be a little bit more bioavailable. Um, and so um, I can actually tolerate dairy much better. Um, yogurt, I'm totally fine with, no problems at all. Um, milk is kind of a dosing thing, um, but I have actually been able to re-add milk. So some of that does change. Um, eggs are the same way, by the way. Um, uh, weirdly, peanuts are the same way. You know, like uh, peanut protein, uh, as an example, is used in Africa as a way to help with um, starvation, right? And uh, magically, no one has a peanut protein allergy over there. So sometimes it's the exposure to these things that cause it. Like you said, it is the processing that that can be a factor in that. So kind of keep that in mind. But like I said, eat them form is about amounts. You could be a vegan. You could be a vegetarian. You could, you know, it really comes down to being open to um, making more food, right? In the way that kind of contributes to the, the diet and lifestyle you want to have. Um, but you also can't ignore that your body does need more in the non-dieting because that's really important. That's the way your body needs to work. Your body do, would not prefer to diet. Now, of course, we all know that you can 
overdo the non-dieting cycle, right? Um, that's how people become obese. So both have their negatives, but um, most people sort of focus on, well, when I'm overweight, you know, I'm depressed and things of this nature, it's hard to get motivated, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's all real, right? But it also works the other way, right? Where, where when you are under eating what your body is supposed to be doing, one, don't feel the, 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 you know, pressure to move near as much. You're kind of letting the calories do the work and you kind of do need to move, especially when they're trying to keep it off for the, the course of your lifetime, not in an excessive way. I think one of the things that happens is that people kind of use that as a reason to not do the right thing. Um, the reality is, is I started walking, you know, and today walking is still my most valuable tool. I'm not like this extreme exerciser. I did, you know, have moments where I have, but I play pickleball. So if, if you want to watch videos of me playing pickleball, I guarantee you it does not look like tennis or, or even any of the professional pickleball players. It looks like Paul walking up to the net, three shots, start again, ball walking. But, you know, you do end up uh, actually getting in a massive amount of steps because you're enjoying yourself. And if you do that for hours at a time, but no, there's no reason why. Um, you wouldn't. It does bring a, a, a difficulty that you don't necessarily, that, that other people don't need. So what you will see is that other people are eating protein pancakes and kind of um, living a lifestyle. But we have people that are vegan all the way to, to people that are kind of doing more of what you're talking about. And, and it's effective for all of them. Um. Kelly says, do you advise intermittent fasting? And number two, what is the cost of your program? So we don't, um, we're not against intermittent fasting. If you want to intermittent fast, I do intermittent fast on occasion. Um, it's a tool. The, the key to intermittent fasting is that it's not the intermittent fasting doing the trick. It's just a way of managing your food throughout the day. But let me give you an example where intermittent fasting would not serve someone well. So you intermittent fast and, you know, like three to perform, you would have a calorie allocation and you then eat 4,000 calories instead of let's say you were in fat loss and eating 1500 calories. Well, if you eat the 4,000 calories, whether even intermittent fasting, you're still gonna gain weight, right? Um, because you can eat a lot of calories in an eight hour window or whatever. Um, and so, so what's happened, and this is what I was talking about with the internet, is we've gotten to the point where it's just more extreme, more extreme, more extreme. So now people are not eating for days, you know, because they can't control themselves. Right. And so rather than, you know, focusing on a more moderate approach where you're not binging, they actually don't eat for three days so that they can binge. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Right. That's not helpful. So I would say there are times where I've found intermittent fasting as, as, as a tool um, is useful for me. But if you eat 1200 calories in a day, um, as an example, um, without, um, or you eat 1200 calories with intermittent fasting, you're going to get the same result, right? There's really no difference. And so I will address the thing that everybody brings up, which is autophagy, right? So everybody talks about autophagy, which is basically the um, use of uh, tissue, the breakdown of tissue that happens when you're not intermittent fasting. The advantage of intermittent fasting is you are artificially keeping insulin low. You are adding in some insulin sensitivity that is helpful. But once again, there are limits to that. And so now all of a sudden, you know, when you are, um, one of the great graphs that I've seen recently was talking about why people lose so much muscle intermittent fasting is the body can only process so much protein over time. So even when I am intermittent fasting, I am 
trying to manage my protein intake so I'm getting a more gradual response, right? So when you get like a four bumps throughout the day through protein, your body can handle it better, it can absorb it better, and it can repair your muscle better. Um, when you just get this gigantic spike, right? It's not gonna handle it as well. It's not gonna process it as well. And, um, you know, there is a picture that many people have seen three um, where, you know, when one I'm 260, and the other I'm 162, and then the other one I'm also 162, right? But in the middle 162, that was when I was intermittent fasting and kind of doing things the wrong way. And then once I moved it to the more correct way where I was intermittent fasting only occasionally, that's when I was able to kind of build that muscle, hold on to that muscle. And that's where I went from 21% on that 162 to the same 162 at 7%, right? So we know what we're talking about here, right? And I understand that if you're going to talk to, I like fasting one, two, three, four on Reddit, they're going to give you every you know, argument for it. And they're often not right or they're often not wrong, but the application is different than what your situation might be because it, it really does change over time, right? And one of the things that's really interesting, this is sort of a side note, is that as you start to eat more, your metabolism starts to kick in. And so you get hungrier, right? So our hungriest people are often the people that eat the most, right? So right now my calories are at 4,000 heading into fat loss. Um, and I'm starving all the time. Like my body is just constantly processing um, the food and it constantly wants more food, right? So um, that's something, you know, you're like, oh, I'm eating 1200 calories. I've eaten 1200 calories, you know, for the last 15 years. Um, and I'm never hungry. Yeah. That's the way your body works, right? Is that if you don't provide your body enough nutrition, um, it does work against you over time. You can, so you can intermittent fasting. Like I said, I think it's a great tool for a lot of people managing their meals, especially if you want to like just eat two to three rather than kind of the standard eat six, seven meals throughout the day, all are kind of 300 calories. And then all of a sudden you're just hungry all the time that way, right? Um, I would prefer like in fat loss, once my low days kind of get to a point, I'll just skip breakfast. There may be some arguments for kind of skipping breakfast and delaying lunch, right? Just because it fits my lifestyle a little bit better. So I think what you're really asking is more of a lifestyle question than it is, you know, does 1600 calories intermittent fasting work better than 1600 calories eating eight meals a day, all at 200 calories? The answer is the net result's going to be the same. And you want to address the question about the cost of the program? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the reason why we don't talk about the cost of the program is because it, it, it's highly dependent on what you're choosing and things of this nature, right? So if you're familiar with Weight Watchers or Noom or something like that, it's very similar to that. We don't have restrictive contracts though. So everything is month to month. And we do that on purpose because if you think about it, if you look at Weight Watchers or Noom, they tend to sell you six months at a time or eight months at a time. I don't feel like programs get better that way. I feel like that serves Weight Watchers and Noom really well. I want to serve you really well. So we don't have contracts like that. But I think when you look at how you're losing weight, it's going to be priced real similar, but it's also priced in a way that you actually do the program. And so whether you take the free trial, whether you take the training, you know, there's, there's definitely five or six different packages that when you talk to a coach, they can walk you through it in like three minutes. And then the last question that we have is from Sylvia. Do you have experience with strength-based athletes that need to make certain weight classes for competition, powerlifting, nutritional support during the building phase, and then diets during competition cuts? 
So the the simple answer is yes. That's what we do all the time. Um, I actually had uh, one gal at the Olympics, um, uh, you know, last summer. So that's something we do really well. Okay, so here's my caveat to that. When someone asks me that question, often what they're really asking is, is can you get me to diet most of the time? And then I'll play a little bit of attention to the building phase, right? So let me tell you how we did my Olympian because I think that it will help you a lot. She competed 110, I believe, at the Olympics. Um, and um, she was at 118 for three years, right? So the way that people like to do it is they sort of use powerlifting as their way to keep their physique goals kind of always in place. And then it becomes this really rigid thing where they're dieting all the time, right? It works best when you aren't. And I would argue that as we get older, like in, in her instance, so this was interesting because, I mean, she basically did no cardio. You know, she was just weightlifting. Her superpower was sleep, though. She would sleep 11, 11 and a half hours a day some days. You know, so um, just her body needed that kind of recovery. One of the things that, that most people don't know is that um, – these elite athletes, almost all of them nap, right? Because um, famously, J.J. Watt, you know, had like a trailer. Many of them are renting trailers, right, near their training camps and going into these trailers during the breaks and taking a nap. So that's something that, that a lot of people don't realize. Um, so you're welcome to join. I would love to help you. We can be really, really good. We can get you really, really strong and we can help you with your weight classes. But if what you think is the process is that you're dieting three times a year to make the weight class. Now in terms of water cuts and things of this nature, I know powerlifting as an example, it sort of depends on the, the, um, the class that you're in. Sometimes it's 24 hours. You know, we're not going to do your water cuts and things like that. That That's usually a $2,000 person, right? We're, we're going to do is teach you how to do things right the great majority of the time. And if we have to run a cut every now and again, if you've ever seen Sarah, Sarah's a great example of what you're talking about. Um, she only cuts maybe once a year um as as more of a cleanup the good majority of the year if you're powerlifting you should be roughly at the weight that you're going to compete at one of the strategies i like to use with some of my advanced lifters is there's there's some strategies that you're qualifying for you know nationals and things of this nature and you have to be awake for that but once again, you know what I'm talking about is a lot of times they just want their weight to be a certain weight, right? And usually what I do for those really advanced people is I have to I have them do one of the one or two of those competitions so they're kind of um, in competition mode at a heavier, right? So so they get to the point where, um, they're one weight class up, maybe not, not, maybe not at the top of that weight class, but they're focused really on the strength aspect, the getting comfortable during competition, and then we'll run a cut. We're staying mostly weight stable. Then you can do kind of, you know, most people kind of know how to manipulate the water so they can still make a 24 hour weigh in and things of this nature. Like I said, that's not something. That, that we play with, um, you know, that's really more one of the, you know, $1,000 services, $2,000 services, things of that nature. And, and most of those services basically just teach people to diet all the time. Um, what I can tell you is that we have some really strong people. You know, we, we've placed people to the CrossFit games, we've made Olympians, you know, our approach works. But 
you know, if you're realistically, and I need you to analyze this for yourself, are you using it as your leverage to stay lean all the time? And are your macros in the 1500 to 1600 range most of the time? If that's the case, you know, then we're not going to have a lot of success and you're not going to enjoy your experience because, you know, it's more about the weight than it is the body composition, right? And so if you look at somebody like Sarah, who we feature all the time, or really a lot of it, Stephanie, you know, I mean, Stephanie, I think we got down to 137 for a competition a few years ago, but she normally sits at about 152. If you're trying to be the strongest you can, you know, and, and you're competing 137, but you want to stay kind of 142, you're not really going to get the strongest you possibly can. Um, and so for a lot of people, you know, it's, it kind of depends on the level of competition. You know, there's, there is no new physiology with all of this. If you want to lift more, if you want to build muscle, if you want to keep testosterone and, and, and all these things that are favorable to lifting more in competition, you have to have more food and you have to have a lot more than 1,600, 1,800. I know many, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting prep type places, right? And they've got people at 16 to 1,800 during their maintenance macros. And then they just suffer. You know, they have to go down to 800 calories, you know, to, to, to get, make their weight then they go into competition and they feel weak, right? Um, I, I think that is a good way to get a lot of people to hate powerlifting, right? Um, but I don't know what your physique is normally like, but if it is like that picture, you know, my concern is just what I talked about, right? And we've, we've seen that many times where people come in and um, can you read me what she's saying there, Becky? Um, I'm all about the building phase. Thanks for the info. I was working with a coach who put me on 1500 calories for three plus months and felt they did not understand my needs properly. I'm hoping that with your program, I can bring the calories up much higher, build strength, yes. and then only cut if necessary. Yes. And like I said, you know, you'll probably have to have some cardio in there. Right. But once again, is cardio working towards strength or against it? Right. So that'll be sort of the process that you're figuring out with yourself. But, you know, 1500, 1500 is kind of what programs like that pretend to be as maintenance. Right. And then they charge you, like I said, a lot of money, 600 to a thousand dollars for this really bad information. I mean, we, we, you know, 75% of the people don't need to perform at any given time are in performance, right? And when you, you look at, go, go, go scroll down. You'll see Sarah's calories. You'll see Vanessa's calories. You'll see my calories. These are not 1500 type programs. These are 2700 type programs. We're really kind of pushing what you can do physically. And I know that scares the shit out of some people. Right. But the reality is, is that the body kind of does work only one way, you know, and a lot of us think that we're sort of unique and we have all these problems and that doesn't allow us. It's like, that's the reason why we're kind of staying the same and not, you know, kind of progressing to the next level. And so, you know, the process that we have in place is great for you and your macros might end up being 2,700, 3,000, whatever they end up being. And you just get strong as heck. And that's great. Then there's the lady from earlier in the phone call who has gastric issues, right? And then maybe that person is not necessarily looking for the goals that you're looking for. Maybe that person is more about living a more comfortable life and understanding how their body actually works and their calories end up being 22 to 2,400. So they're not pushing like this super piece, 
but they're also understanding how they're working in the process. And that's where I think, you know, no matter where you are in that spectrum, you start to realize, oh my goodness, I thought food was the enemy and it's actually the solution. And so that's where I think it will be enlightening. It sounds like your mindset is right where it needs to be. But I will tell you, it is a little scary, right? In in the process, your weight certainly fluctuates more um, when your calories are a little bit higher. It fluctuates much less at 1500 because you're starving. <laughs> so um, I appreciate everybody being here. Great time to get in with equal form. I would highly encourage, I know, I know the food is a big commitment, but if you're just starting, wow, does it make a difference? And I can tell you, as someone who does this, who's comfortable counting macros, who's meal planner, oh my goodness, has been, it been a life changer for me. So um, strongly consider that, especially if you're just starting out. And uh, I think it's easy to transition. Like, you know, one of the things that we suggest to people, if they can afford it, of course, is 21, 15, and 9. So you start at 21 for the first two weeks, 15, 15, 9, 9. And then all of a sudden, you'll have a real good understanding of what works for your body. And then you can start to kind of do your meal prep and things of this nature. But it gives you a, a better understanding because I think a lot of people on this call, when they see these 500 calorie meals, they think to themselves, wow, 500 calories is a lot of calories. Nope you're going to be shocked at how much you're actually eating is probably a lot more than 500 calories without knowing. So hopefully this was helpful for everybody. I got to tell you, this is one of my favorites to do because at the end of the day, you know, we do fine, right? I love talking to people about ideas that literally no one else is talking about. And so hopefully that's enlightening. Maybe you don't sign up now. Maybe you sign up later. But, you know, I really do feel like once people are exposed to this, it changes their life completely, even if it's just being a little bit more aware. So hopefully everybody appreciates that. And I will talk to all of you later. And yeah, there we go. Talk to you later.